Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey Hillier, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me, some of my friends from all walks of life, as we chat about how the prophetic is purposed to build both the church and to break outside of her four walls into your world. We'll chat to prophetically minded people who will inspire you. They come from all walks of life, somebody for everyone to relate to. And each conversation has the purpose of equipping you to prophetically build and lead in the places and spaces that God has placed you. So let's go. few episodes, we focused on all things prophetic worship. Today, I'm going to start a brand new collection, and it's a little bit different because you get me solo Mio today because I'm here in lockdown 6.0 in the beautiful city of Melbourne. But I do want to take a moment before I get into today's content to thank each and every one of you who have reviewed and subscribed to this podcast or who's shared it on social media. If I'm honest, I've actually been completely blown away. You know, I had a vision, I felt that God gave me a dream that this podcast would awaken people to what God's already put in you. So to hear that it is helping you is just the best. So thanks to everybody who's reached out on social media, sent me a personal message. It actually means the world to me. If you haven't yet found me on social media, uh, check me out at Stacey Hillier, hashtag prophetic collective, because all of your reviews and subscriptions actually help spread the word and more people to see what we're doing. Now, as I already mentioned, today I'm starting a brand new collection that we're calling The Spheres Collection. And there'll be seven or eight episodes in this collection. Let's just see how we go. But I'm actually so excited about this because it's something that every single person can benefit from. I'm super passionate about what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks because you don't have to be in ministry. You don't have to be a musician or a singer. This is where we really start to drill down into how the prophetic is purposed to be a part of every single person's everyday ordinary life, wherever God has placed you. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the prophetic in your home or in the family, in schools, in universities, if you're a teacher or somebody in the education space, we're going to talk about in the business world or the marketplace. Uh, receiving prophetic wisdom in the science and medicine world, arts and entertainment, the media, the sporting world, and even in the area of government and leadership. Now, today's episode will be all about laying the groundwork or the theological framework for this collection before we head into a series of interviews in the coming weeks, uh, lockdown restrictions. If they lift, then hopefully I'll be able to interview a few other people. But today, it's me just laying a framework. So I want to start with kind of the history of prophecy. And of course, the best place to start is prophecy in the Bible. Seems like a good place to start. Did you know that there are 31,124 verses in the Bible? And of those thousands of spirit-inspired words, 8,352 are future predictions. 
That means that 27% of the Bible is futuristic. And biblically, prophecy is more than a fad. Did you know that the office prophet is mentioned more in the Bible than all the other fivefold gifts put together? So more than the apostle, the teacher, the evangelist, the pastor, more than all of those put together, the prophet is mentioned. Now, I could joke here and say probably because we need to be reined in the most. We need the most frameworks and guidelines. Um, But even in the New Testament, there were at least 12 individuals alone who were called prophets. For example, Agabus or Judas and Silas or the four virgin daughters of Philip the Evangelist and others. Of the eight passages, uh, passages in the New Testament scriptures where spiritual gifts are mentioned, none of which are exhaustive lists, did you know that prophecy is the only gift to appear all eight times? So whilst people might debate about the eight places that uh, spiritual gifts are kind of listed out or mentioned, nobody will debate that prophecy is mentioned all eight times. Now, as for prophecy in the early church, there are hundreds, hundreds of historical references regarding prophecy in documents. For example, the Didache, which includes four chapters on how to receive traveling prophets. Prophecy was common in the church of the second and third centuries, with numerous historical accounts describing even things so cool, like children who were experiencing encounters of heaven that aligned with biblical passages that they didn't even know how to read yet. How cool is that? In recent years, Dan McCollum describes prophetic culture this way. The spiritual climate began evolving from manifestations of presence and power to managerial expertise. The personal charisma of individual leadership began replacing the spiritual charisma at work in the whole congregation. Wow. For the last couple of decades, I've noticed that much of our experience of the prophetic has been within the four walls of a church. It normally tends to be platform-driven. It's often quite individualistic in nature and executed by either a visiting prophetic ministry or a renowned prophetic voice. I remember growing up and the prophet would come to town. Everyone would get so excited, wear their brightest shirt, fight for the front row, uh, just desperately hoping to receive a word. And there's nothing wrong with these things, right, in and of themselves. But what I think it has done is create somewhat of a culture where we believe that only special people can do special things for God and that they're somehow unattainable to the everyday believer. And I think that was the intention of traveling prophets or prophetic ministries coming into the church, but I do think it has been one of the results. And I actually believe that a new season and a new wineskin is upon us. And that's why I want to focus for the next few weeks this way. I love that Peter, heralding that the prophetic words of the prophet Joel were upon us, declared a new day, a day that you and I live in, a new way from the Old Testament where prophecy was only for the select few, to now the day we live in in Acts 2 where we read, in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. 
Even on my male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. We are living in the days when they shall prophesy. And Paul echoed this dream where he encouraged us to desire the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 12, 31 and in chapter 14, verses 1 to 5. And here Paul was uh, expressing the Father's desire that all sons and daughters would prophesy, not just those in ministry, because as I like to say, if you are a full-time Christian, you are in full-time ministry. Listen to how Rebecca and Jermaine Francis put it in their book, which is called Activating the Gift of Prophecy. It's a brilliant book. They say, hearing God is the right of every born-again believer. Hearing God should be a part of our daily life. Jesus says as a general fact that we, his sheep, hear his voice, he knows us, and we follow him. There was no hype around it, just a matter-of-fact way of letting you know how this prophecy thing works. You are my sheep, you hear my voice. That's it. The enemy and the flesh want to make prophesying hard and confusing. Jesus wants to make it simple for us. It's been the enemy's strategy to cloud and hide the truth about a believer's right to hear God. He is trying to create distance between God and us. Isn't that brilliant? You know, recently, I personally have been very challenged with this thought. How much more readily do I accept the accusations of the enemy and believe his subtle deceptions than recognize and obey the voice of my good shepherd? I've noticed that I often ask God for confirmations. I put fleeces out. Oh God, just give me another confirmation. Send another prophetic word. Give me a dream. Show me it again in scripture. Almost doubting the voice of the one who loves me and who I know is working for my good. And yet... When the enemy comes and he says, did God really say, are you really good enough? Without a second thought, I often diminish myself from my calling and purpose. And in effect, I'm actually putting more trust in the enemy's voice in my life than I am in God's. That's a very challenging thought that I've found the Holy Spirit speaking to me about lately. I want us to look together at the scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. Let me read it to you. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, here we read about the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Who are the saints? Is it the pastors? Is it the office prophets? You can probably hear now my next door neighbor starting up his hotted up car. Welcome to Lockdown Podcasts. (laughs) I ask you again, who are the saints? Is it the pastors? Is it the office prophets? No, the saints are you, the business person the stay-at-home mum or dad, the teachers, the tradies, the doctors, the nurses. It's each one of us, you and me, being equipped. That word that's used there in the original language is katatismos, which means completely furnished. 
by the fivefold ministers. In this case, the office prophet has a role to build you up to the point where you can outwork the ministry. This word build up here is oikodeme, which means to construct or to make more able, all with the purpose of the body of Christ being fully mature. So let me underline that again. You, yes, you, stay-at-home mum, you, tradie, you, business person, you, startup business, you have a role to play in constructing the body of Christ. And in the same way that Jesus said he would build his church on Peter the rock, remembering on Peter who denied Jesus three times, he chooses to use you and I to build his church. And he uses us wherever he has placed us. In fact, the further he spreads us out into the different spheres of society, the more effective we are in bringing his kingdom to earth. Interestingly, when Paul outlines the purposes of New Testament prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14.3, he uses these three words, the purposes of prophecy, upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. And again, this word upbuilding here is the word oikodeme, the same word that's used when it says Jesus will build oikodeme, his church. A reminder that we also just read this word in Ephesians 4.12 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building oikodomaying up the body of Christ. You see, one of the literal ways we build the church is through prophecy. We frame up people's worlds through prophecy. God does through us. And so we understand that under the new covenant, Each of us houses the Holy Spirit, which 1 Corinthians 12 tells us the Holy Spirit is the gift distributor of the spiritual gift of prophecy. Now, we don't leave the Holy Spirit in the church. Well, we shouldn't. We take him with us into our homes, into our workplaces, into our communities, and therefore we can operate in his gifts outside of the church. I love how the prophet Ezekiel describes the prophetic vision of the water, which symbolizes God's spirit, becoming deeper and deeper the further outside of the church it flowed. It talks about ankle deep, knee deep, in over our head. And I actually believe the new wineskin is this. The saints, the business people, the builders, the florists, the hairdressers, taking God's presence and his associated gifts out of the church and building the church by making disciples of Jesus. In fact, Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth in chapter 14, 24, talks about how prophecy can reveal the secrets of an unbeliever's heart and that they will fall on their face and worship God as a result. Now, the context of this passage, granted, is a church service, but the premise still remains that prophecy is an effective sign that reveals God's power to an unbeliever. Can you catch a vision of this for a moment? Can you see it? An encouragement to a, coll- to a colleague at a water cooler that makes them thirst for what you have. A Holy Spirit-inspired prophetic act or gift for the fellow mum at school drop-off that opens up a deep conversation. 
or even being the wisest person who always contributes with insight when you manage people or make company decisions. This is what it looks like to operate prophetically where God has placed you, with the depth increasing the further out into the darkness we go. So I want to pivot now for a moment and introduce this concept of the seven spheres or mountains of society. Now stay with me here because this is a key strategy for seeing God's kingdom come in our city. It's also a key strategy that you can use in prayer and intercession. The seven spheres of society or pillars that influence and contribute to the health of a thriving communal society are family, government, education, business, church or religion, arts, entertainment, media and the sporting world, and science and medicine. Now there are some amazing books on the market that you can read about these. Um, Bill Johnson and Lance Wallnau, which is W-A-L-L-N-A-U, have co-written Invading Babylon. Um, There's also The Seven Mountain Prophecy by Johnny Enlow, E-N-L-O-W. And I highly recommend both of those books if you're an intercessor. There are heaps if you just Google it, but these are just two that I've read and often refer to them when I'm uh, leading a prayer meeting or strategy meetings. But you may have also heard these referred to as seven cultural mountains or seven mind molders. They're actually initiated by Lauren Cunningham, who's the founder of Youth with a Mission or YWAM. And he came up with this concept in 1975. And it's the idea that it's through influencing those areas of society that the entire society can be influenced with the gospel. And I often pray into these seven mountains or I'll research these seven spheres for a city that God lays on my heart or that we're planting a church in. And I'm actually also actively discipling and helping to raise next generation influences in these spaces because I am passionate about the gospel going outside of the four walls of the church carried by equipped saints. I have seen firsthand the power of a CEO who listens to God's voice in his business decisions, being elevated in position and influence and shining for Jesus in the marketplace. I know and have seen the sharpest minds in medicine and science, psychology, psychiatry, the mental health space, who the Holy Spirit gives them insight, shares secrets with them about people that elevates them above their peers in excellence and influence. I know and do life closely with teachers whose students thrive because the Holy Spirit shares secrets about the keys to unlock their students' hearts, their minds, their learning styles, and it often results in the ability to influence their entire family. I have seen this in action, and I know it thrills the heart of God when we understand we are the saints who are being equipped for the work of ministry, and full-time ministry is part of being a full-time Christian where Ever God has placed you. And this building the church, extending God's kingdom, this oikodome is literally one of the purposes of operating prophetically. I'm reminded of a story of Chris Vallotton, who was a mechanic at the time, and he was facing an electrical challenge in a car that he just could not fix. In fact, this car had been recalled and people all across the country were figuring out what the issue was. And Chris, after hearing his pastor at the time, Bill Johnson, preach on having access to the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit from 1 Corinthians 2, he prayed and God showed him in a vision 
a small electrical cable hidden under the front fender that had come undone. Sure enough, as he investigated, it restarted the car's computer and solved the issue. What kind of story do you think he had to share with his fellow mechanics at lunchtime? God wants to be involved in giving you wisdom via his Holy Spirit. You have the mind of Christ as you mother, as you sit around the boardroom table, as you strategize, negotiate, come up with new business ideas, pivot for the 1500th time in lockdown. The Holy Spirit has all the wisdom you need. And I hope that you can start to get a vision right now of equipped saints who know how to operate prophetically in all seven spheres. Imagine what could our cities look like? How many more salvations could we see? How many more hard hearts could we see being unlocked as the Holy Spirit speaks to us prophetically and we report on earth to his sons and daughters that he loves the secrets of their heart that we could only know from God. I believe this is the new wineskin. So I want to finish these intro thoughts by reminding you that we are called to minister to the world. The word minister literally means to serve, which means we are called to serve our world. And when we serve people, serving people and others is countercultural today. It's one of the ways that they encounter the love of God through us. Once we get an understanding of 1 Corinthians 11, 12 and 13 and 14, where Paul is unpacking the spiritual gifts, when we understand that gifts, power gifts are an act of love, we actually begin to understand it would be unloving for us not to want to operate prophetically to the world around us. We can serve people in many ways, but one of the most effective ways to serve is with prophetic ministry. And people are hungry for the supernatural. They are hungry to hear from a higher being. That's why they're going to clairvoyance. That's why they're reading tarot cards. God has placed you where you are for a reason. Let's not just desire to receive a word, but let's desire to give one. Let's desire to serve. In Acts 20, 35, Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I loop back, I boomerang back to where I started. The last few decades have been all about the prophetic minister coming and us doing anything we have to to draw attention ourselves to receive the word. I'm telling you the new wineskin, I see a day when we understand it's more blessed to give than to receive and that each of us who has the Holy Spirit can operate this way. Let me encourage you this week, before we begin to hear from people for the next few weeks who are doing this right where God has placed them, why don't you begin to prepare your heart by doing these four things? Number one, desire the flow of the prophetic in your life. Do you desire to flow prophetically? Do you desire to serve and love people this way around you, wherever God has placed you? First step is desiring it, and that is biblical to desire it. Number two, if you you desire it, ask for it in prayer. I encourage you to 
write this prayer down. Tell the Lord, I desire to operate prophetically because it is loving and a way for me to serve people around me. Would you give it to me? I am asking you for the spiritual gift of prophecy. I'm asking you to teach me and help me to grow in this. Third, believe that you now have it. That's what the word says, that you have it if you have the Holy Spirit. So the third thing is believe you have it. The fourth thing is receive it and activate it. Start to step out. Start to step out in safe spaces so that you can build up your own confidence. Start by sending an encouraging text to somebody the Holy Spirit lays on your heart. Just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, who needs encouragement from you today? Who can I build up today? Take the first name that comes to mind and then ask the Holy Spirit to give you the specific ways he wants to encourage them. I love thinking about Psalm 139. It talks about God having innumerable thoughts about his children, each of his children. In fact, more thoughts than the grains of sand about every single one of his children. All you are trying to do is is pick up one grain of sand and to encourage or prophesy it over somebody and you watch what it does. So desire, ask, believe, receive and activate. Then head back here next week to be inspired by people who've done exactly that. Next week, I will start with an inspiring friend who started a business with a prophetic name and mandate. And I know you are going to love hearing his story. So I hope you have enjoyed these introductory thoughts. I want to thank you for joining me today for this episode of The Prophetic Collective as we have kickstarted our new Spheres collection with some foundational thoughts. Next week, we will explore the marketplace and business people operating prophetically, both in how they are led and how they lead. And I know you will love it. Then we will explore the remainder of the seven mountains or spheres that I've unpacked with you today. So make sure you tag people, send them a link that you know are going to be blessed by this. Also, following our Spheres collection, we're going to do some of the listeners' choice feedback topics that you guys have been talking to me about. You're super interested in hearing about prophetic intercession. If there's any other topics you'd like to suggest, reach out on social media or email stacy at stacyhillier.com. I would love to hear your stories of how these chats are opening up new things to you. So please share the love on social media. Tag us or tag me at Stacey Hillier, hashtag Prophetic Collective, and make sure you hit subscribe so that you can access these episodes as soon as they are available. Once again, thanks for leaving reviews. It's actually such a huge leg up for me when you do that. I can't wait to talk to you really soon, hopefully out of lockdown, in this little community that we like to call the Prophetic Collective. God bless you. And until I speak to you again, stay cool.